didn't see you there. Would you guys like to set sail on this ocean of flavor with me? I'll be your captain. I'm Steve Harrington. And I'm Colin. And I'm Whitney, and this is Scoops Ahoy, a Stranger Things podcast, where we go week by week, chapter by chapter, taking a look at every episode of Stranger Things. We have now made it to Stranger Things season four, and Colin is here. We're going to go over the monster and the superhero. The third chapter of Stranger Things 4, titled The Monster and the Superhero, debuted on Netflix on May 27th, 2022. It was written by Caitlin Schneiderhan and directed by Sean Levy and has a runtime of one hour, four minutes, and 35 seconds, making it the shortest episode of all of season four. We begin in Ruth, Nevada, as Sullivan swoops in in his chopper to grill Owens about Elle. Owens denies everything, says Elle is dead, and then Sullivan's army goons ransack the house. From there, we head back to the Rinkomania on Saturday, March 22nd, 1986. EMTs are treating Angela's busted-up nose before Jonathan and Argyle, both high as a kite, pick Will, L, and Mike up to take them home. At Casa Byers, they discover Murray is in town and cooking risotto. Joyce explains that she has to leave on a business trip to Alaska tomorrow to see the Britannicas. The next day, Sunday, March 23rd, Jason and his goons, including Patrick, who Beckner has picked as his next victim, are heading out to hunt Eddie, and Lucas agrees to go with. Eddie is still hiding in the boathouse when he hears the Scoops troop, minus Erica and plus Max, arrive to tell him they're going to track and kill Vecna. They hear police cars and go after them, only to discover Nancy and dead Fred. Back in Lenora Hills, Elle confronts Mike about not loving her anymore before the cops arrive and arrest her. Murray and Joyce are flying to Alaska to get Hop, who is putting his plan in motion with the help of Enzo. Hop bribes a fellow inmate to whack his leg shackle so he can slip out of it easier. The Scoops troop meets at the trailer park to try to make sense of everything before splitting up. Nancy and Robin head to the library to look up Victor Creel, and so Robin can explain that her relationship with Steve is purely platonic, while Max, with Dustin and Steve, heads to see Ms. Kelly. Max steals the key to her office, and the three of them head to the school, where they discover Max, Fred, and Chrissy all had the same symptoms of headaches and nightmares. Jason and his pals arrive at Corroded Coffin Band Practice, where they learn Dustin was also looking for Eddie, so they head to Dustin's house. Once there, Lucas warns Dustin on the radio and then misdirects the goon squad to Hopper's old cabin. Lucas then runs away to meet the gang at the school. Eleven gets questioned by the cops and then thrown into a van to head off to jail, but on the way, Owens and his FBI friends intercept the van and take Elle. At a diner that night, Owens tells Elle that he can help her get her powers back and that she is the key to saving the world from the war that is coming. She agrees to go with him. The FBI guys head back to Lenora to camp out at the buyer's house, and they give Mike a note from Elle saying she's gone off to become a superhero again. Back at the school, Max wanders out into the hall where she sees Vecna's grandfather clock, which is tolling for her. The end of chapter three. Okay, I want to come back to Hopper's ankles. We will, because I found something on that, and I know it's something you and I have wanted to uh, discuss. Yes, just because... Oh. All kinds of theories are out there, but let's do, let's do homework first and we'll get that. Yes. So are you ready for your homework? I am. You're late again. Yeah, I had to get catch up homework. Okay. Four questions for you this week. Number one, what cartoon is on the television when Jonathan is looking for movie times? The Ewoks. Correct. Which I, I, don't think, I, don't, I don't remember ever watching that, but I would have been 15 at the time, so. Yeah, I was six. No, not even six. 
I was, yeah, yeah, five. So I loved it. I always, the Ewoks were always my favorite part of Star Wars as a kid. (laughs) Jump, jump. Yes. Okay. Number two. This one's pretty easy. How many cars are in Owen's group when he interferes with Eleven's transport? Three. Correct. Excellent. Number three. What now defunct store is seen in the background as Nancy and Robin walk to the library? Oh, the Radio Shack and Melville's. Yes. They're yes. both there. Yeah. Yes, but it was Radio Shack because a little, little throwback to Bob. Bob, maybe, that, that, I guess. I, yeah, I thought that was a nice touch because they had to redo it all, obviously, to film for season four. So that was, that was yeah, cool. but did you see it? it said store closing? So I guess. Yeah. Yeah, Bob well, I remember in Bob. season three, I remember in season three, it had moved to the mall. I know Melville's was store closing and Radio Shack, I think it mm-hmm. moved to the mall. So, yeah. Yeah. So I guess they had to rebuild them after the mall burnt down. I guess so, yeah. Quote, unquote, burnt down. Okay. Last one. What two names besides Chrissy Cunningham do we see in Miss Kelly's files? Well, we'll get to that a lot later. There's a, there's a, there's some neat little Easter eggs in there, but are you talking like not related to the show people like random names? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So John Bonacourse, Ray Brown, and Deborah Croswell, who all are Deborah isn't. We'll get there, but those are those are the three names because I was going to talk, talk about that later. Yes, I saw that in your notes, and I was like, "Shoot, he's going to get this one." <laughs> you already knew. Yep, yeah. that was it. You got a hundred percent this week. Yahoo! Me. Excellent. Okay. So, do you want to start with Hopper? Yeah, my whole thing is about the the ankles, though. Yes. So I was googling it because it was driving me crazy because I it's a throwback to misery. Like it's, that's right. Like that's what they're. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, I mean, it, I mean, it's, that was listed along those on, lines, but you on know, video it was, store Fridays. yeah. Uh, yeah. It was on their whiteboard. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, there's an element of that, but you know, kind of any chain gang thing, but I mean, my, my take when they first did it was, and it looked like that he broke the chain. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I thought that Hopper somehow kind of refinagled it to make it seem like it was back together. Right. Uh, but then I watched it a couple more times. And then I thought what they did was maybe kind of bang against it to make it not as round. So it could kind of slip off his foot. So it's a little more ovular. Yes. That is the, that was the reasoning I read was it was to, to bust up the shape. Right. To make it so he could, so he could slip it off. And then I saw other things like, there's that. And then also he kind of tore up his foot to make it slip off because the skin was broken. So he could slip it off easier, which is gross. Like a degloving. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, and then, you know, but the Reddit board was kind of half and half that they, that he broke his ankle, but which completely never entered my head because he goes, no, spoiler no alert, goes running off in the next episode. So yeah, it was just, it was, so I, I figured, and then I went back and watched it and literally went frame by frame to see what was going on. And I remember talking to you about it and I was saying, well, he could make it kind of oblong, but it would have to be against something. You can't just hit it. It would have to be kind of braced yeah, against, against something. against his ankle. And it was against, well, it was against, <laughs> it was up against the, the railroad uh, yes. track. So Which that's, would never be my first thought on how to escape. I would never think. No. I mean, I think I would try to do what you said, break the chain and then kind of just yeah, kind of finagle it back, it back together, together to, to make yeah. it seem like it's together. Yes. So, yeah. Uh, I also noticed in that scene when he's talking to Enzo and he calls him Svinya, which is Russian for swine, you know, but he could have very easily said Musar, which was the word in the last episode when Murray was saying that was the word that they caught in the phone booth for oh, kind yeah. of colloquial pig. Thought mm-hmm. that would have been kind of a neat tie, tie back to do, but 
Um, they didn't do that. So anyway, no, they didn't. okay. So I think that's good for Hopper. Let's um, let's talk about Lenora. Uh, Angela's getting her face patched up. I love honestly how high Jonathan and Argyle were. And oh, how, I love it. And how great Charlie and Eduardo were acting because that's not really an easy thing to do. I mean, you could, especially you know, for you know, relatively young people, they could have been like you know, way over the top, but I, I thought it was really believable. I thought it was, I thought they really did a good job of it acting was pretty high. believable <laughs> from <laughs> someone who might know. <laughs> oh, Charlie Heaton definitely knows. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I don't know about Adorno, but. Yeah. Um, uh, and I also love the, you know, the blip, blip, blip bit, which was, which we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more later. Yes, too. I love so that. Funny. And I love how just exhausted Will looks with everything. Yeah. He is, just, he is that is the worst birthday ever. I mean, the, the nobody shot, ever even remembered <laughs> the shot of the three of them in the back of the van when they're talking about smack clean off man oh my gosh and, and there's the and sean turns the camera around to show the three of them yes. in the back of the van it's, they it just, they've had it they're done i, th- I thought you're gonna ask me about the britannica's names <laughs> i thought i thought about it and i was like he'll for sure know that yeah. so I, I just i think it's funny and if the kids she are, said the britannicas if the kids have any i, I mean the encyclopedia britannica has been around since the mid 1700s right um, yeah so this was not just the brainchild of joan, joan and brian britannica last week <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of funny so then we get ellen mike and their little uh their little tete-a-tete about whether or not he loves her and he still didn't say he loved her which I noticed he doesn't he doesn't yeah. and and I will I'll, I'll I'll give the bilers a point on this one it felt like maybe we were leaning towards biler at that point yeah I was, I was like maybe maybe we're going that way Could but be. yeah he I feel like he things change we'll get there but um people were criticizing Finn's acting and saying he's very wooden and he He's not. I think he does a really great job. If, if I, I, I have so any too. complaints, yeah. and honestly, I don't know if it's anything. It might not even be the performance. It might be Noah's voice. And like, I don't. I know I watched an interview that sometimes he was told to make his voice higher because that it. I don't know. Like, I it was something with the way with his aging or whatever. You're you're saying Noah, not Finn. Yes, Noah, yeah. not Finn. Yeah, and I would. Not, they're all great, but I mean, I would say Noah's is worse than Finn, but I've seen people complaining about Finn's acting. Yeah, no, I think, I, I think given the age they're supposed to be and, you know, what they're talking about and, mm-hmm. you know, I think he's doing good. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm not the greatest judge of acting ability in the world, but I, I know good acting when I see it, I think. And well, I think, it was I think funny. He's good. It was, it's, it's, it's. The fandom has devolved into nothing but ship wars at this point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, and that's, it's the least thing I'm interested in. Like, I don't care. <laughs> like, I appreciate it, but I don't, I want, I'm watching well, I know. the background. And, and, and that's what, I mean, the Duffers are saying that. And and I know um, uh, Lucas was saying that too. Um, oh, yeah. Lucas totally was making fun of people. Like, It's just like, guys, it's a show. It's a yeah, TV relax. show. It's, you know, just chill out and watch it and enjoy it for yeah. what it is so what'd you make of the cops coming with handcuffs and sirens and i mean that's a little bit well, much are they allowed to arrest you without your parents there uh it was actually kind of funny i, I always check the imdb trivia and one of the mm-hmm. imdb goofs says in indiana 
you're not allowed to talk, you know, to talk to a child without this. Well, we're not in Indiana, first of yeah. all, we're in California, Relax. but re regardless. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, they, they're governed by the same Miranda rights everybody else is, so they don't have to say anything, but they can be arrested just and questioned. Real? I just thought it was a little bit much for handcuffs and screaming off with sirens going and everything. For, for what she did, it's not like, and then they're like, did you want to kill her? Yeah. Well, yeah. No. Yes, I did. Cause I'm a, you know, what is she 15 yeah. at this point? Yeah. Yeah. I did notice. And we, I hadn't caught it all season, but I did notice on the rewatch that she's still wearing the blue bracelet, which I thought was yes. a nice, nice thing. I love it. And then one of my favorite bits from the whole season, and I called it actually before it happened was when Owens comes and, and takes her in the car and he gets out of the car. And I, hey, said, kiddo. To, I said to myself under my breath, Hey, a kiddo. Yep. There <laughs> it was. He says, he says, Hey, kiddo. What, what did you make of the of the um the lady getting out and they did this like slow motion kind of zoom in on her legs like i thought it was going to be some big reveal yeah a lot of people i saw on reddit were saying they thought it was going to be brenner i thought um, it was going to be aunt becky yeah brenner oh, becky. yeah she had on heels well no before the heels oh the cars <laughs> yes not the <laughs> yes yeah um yeah brenner's wearing some lovely kitten you know their kitten heels yeah um yeah, no, I just, I think that was the the going thought that Brenner was in the cars, but um, yeah, that was, that was kind of a, you know, for somebody who we hadn't seen before, you would expect it, yes. you know, had it been Connie Frazier, for example, that would have right. warranted, you know. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I so. thought for sure. I was like, it's going to be Terry Odd. It's going to be Aunt Becky. It's going to be right. yeah. it's a random lady we've never seen before. Yeah. Huh. Uh, so then we're on the plane with Murray and Joyce. I loved everything about that. The uh, just the whole 80s vibe of it. We'll talk about that a little bit later, too, when we get to our spirits and our little things and stuff. Uh, but I did catch Murray saying something along the lines of they're going to be home playing Nintendo. But Nintendo doesn't come out until September of this year. So he's about. Oh, yeah. yeah so he's about which six months, six months early. Which and, and, that, and that's twice. assuming they get it. They get it like first day. Like September 86 is when the first Nintendo Entertainment System came out. They do that twice then. Yeah. They mentioned Nintendo. Yeah. It's like a tiny plot point in episode five. Yeah. 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 Weird, Come huh? Come on, Duffer. And I looked, I looked a couple of different places and yeah, sure enough. Um, I loved a, the fact that she was credited as stewardess and I love the stewardess. Um, who's played was by she a somebody? Alexandra Ficken, F-I-C-K-E-N. No, I've never heard of her, but I just thought she was great. Oh, and I love yes. that they, they credited her as stewardess instead of flight attendant. <laughs> The sexy stew man. Oh yeah, because they don't call him that anymore, right? No, nope. Uh, I love the airplane flute food. That was just disgusting and <laughs> gross. I never, I was, I never flew on an airplane in the eighties, so I didn't. Oh, I, yeah. The first time yeah, I but that's flew, what it was. It was like little, like those little kind of takeout container fold over boxes with food in them. That's what they were. I was always used. fascinated by stuff like that. Yeah, it's like Salisbury steak and. Uh, chicken with gravy and stuff yeah so uh and then they land in alaska and marie gets out of the plane and it's snowing is like this is spring it's like i actually oh, looked like it up spring started on march 20th of that year so we're like four days into spring so it's not it's not totally out of the realm of you know whatever but i thought just as an aside you know was, Ooh, yeah okay let's let's actually back up to the beginning so we we land at owen's house in ruth nevada Sullivan wanders in talking about Brenner's little pet. We see the flashback to Connie, which was kind of cool. I always love to see her die. And then we get his, we can do this the easy way or the hard way line. And then we'll get to, we get to something that I know you want to talk about. And that is when they're rifling through the stuff 
Sam's wife says, don't take that box or why do you need that box? That's Peter's old school project. So three, two, one, go. There's no way they just use Peter like offhand. Like this is a sign that Peter Ballard, who we meet later, is going to come up. It is a big connection. And everyone just needs to keep in mind that Owens has some connection to Peter. Yes. There's no way. There's no yeah, way. No, and I'd actually, I actually didn't catch it. I think I, I mean, if it's a honestly blink and you miss it. Cause if you know, mm-hmm. that's Peter's old school project. So, I mean, it's that quick. It's not like they dwell on it or show his name or anything. No, so no, no, no. It's kind of a throwaway line, but we'll actually, we will put a link up to your article um, on that. So people it's, it's, it's kind of pseudo spoilery, but who cares? Yeah. You, I didn't want to we, say we've all watched the whole season by now. So I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you've watched the whole season, yeah. but some people might not. So I'm not going to say, yeah. but just keep that in mind. So then we wind up at the cafe um, and we see basically Owens' speech, which was featured heavily in the trailer, uh, the final trailer that we saw talking about how he can make her stronger and that the war is coming. I did catch when he was talking and and he showed the flashback of him at the computer screen. He was typing in a message. It's a real quick thing, but I Uh freeze framed it just to see. And it talks about Project Nina, which is obviously comes up later and was the chapter. And he actually sends the email to Dalyrak. D-A-L-Y-R-A-C and D-A-L-A-Y-R-A-C was the person who wrote the original operetta back in the 1700s that Nina, the opera, was based on that it was all come from. So that was kind of a neat little, it could have been a little thing, but I wanted to mention that. I have a question though. What did you think about them saying that Brenner was training 11 for remote assassinations? Like, did you get that impression from the, was that really what they were training her i mean i assumed they would use her as a weapon i just I guess. oh as assassinations as opposed to spying yeah i think we always thought she was kind of yeah s- just spying like standing mm-hmm. next to a person and getting yeah um i actually never thought of that and it, he just kind of said remote assassinations and i'm like yeah that checks out and but then I it shows that picture of that guy yeah it was the same guy who she was standing next to in the void listening and remember we did that whole bit about that mm-hmm. we translated yeah. it and everything yeah so yeah i'm not sure i never it just i just kind of it kind of went right over me, but yeah, mm-hmm. I never really thought of her as being an assassin, but maybe, you know, she was obviously getting the the information and maybe she could tell people where he was and that, I don't know if she would be doing the assassination because well, I'm I assuming, I don't know if she could she assassinate could do it from afar. Could she assassinate through the void? I mean, possibly, I don't know. So, mm. and so then the FBI, including our, <laughs> the woman that got out of the car, lands in Lenora to kind of babysit Will, Mike, and Jonathan with her two agents. So they will play obviously much bigger in the next episode when we get there. So, all right, let's go to Hawkins. So I love the the opening shots of the demo bats flying around and Vecna getting his charge going. Why does, um, why do we have to see Vecna's butt? You're just obsessed with his butt. He's got a booty. <laughs> I, can't, I can't not look at it. Yeah. Jason uh, and his little goonies are preparing for the hunt to go get Eddie, who is busy munching on honeycomb and yoo, which I thought was a nice little touch. <laughs> it's also, it like makes my teeth ache, Ugh, yeah. like from all the sugar. I don't think I've ever had yoo I don't know. I don't know how I've Oh, it's it. not good. I've had it. Yeah. It's it's not good. Yeah. Uh, so they say, you know, you know, very simply, we're just going to go out and find and kill Vecna. So that's that's going to be good. I really, really loved. It may have been my favorite moment in the whole episode when they pull up. Uh, in their car and see Nancy talking to the cops and she looks over and does the little wave and they, she looks at that. I love and Steve gives her that look. Love like, that are you scene. okay? 
I, I think I know I, everyone hates Stephen Ains together. I get it. I know, but I, I still there's. I love them together. Oh, oh, a lot of people hate yeah. them. Together. No, I know, but, but I, I love I, that. Scene. I love them. I love them. I don't care. I like her better with Steve than I do with Jonathan. Yeah. I don't care. I don't care who hates me for it. Then we get to the trailer park and they're all sitting around on the picnic bench talking about what's going on. And then they agree to split up. Robin doesn't have her license because she's poor. <laughs> Max can't drive because no, never again. Harkening back to uh, the episode where she was driving after the fight when Steve and Billy had their fight and they went mm-hmm. screaming out, yeah. which I thought was really good. Then we see that really nifty little bit of Vecna in Vecna's head of he's kind of bouncing around between the, you know, picking his next victims. Oh yeah. The mind layer. And lands on uh, Patrick. Then we got all the the band practice stuff when Jason and his buddy show up. And this is the Reebok scene that I was mentioning back in episode one, how we were going to see Jason's Reebok later. So we get the close up of his Reebok when he's stepping on the uh, the drummer's hands. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then we get Robin and Nancy at the library with our dear old friend Marissa, the librarian. I love her. I yeah. could have called and said thanks. interestingly enough she's only been in episode threes she was in episode three of season one season two and season four which is i I want her back for more must be you know one of sean levy sean levy's muses or something because he directed all three of those episodes okay and then we have all the bit with robin and uh nancy down in the um stacks going through all the microfiche and i wanted to pause for a minute here because we we've talked in the first couple of episodes we've done this season about Robin being a little bit annoying and kind of scatterbrained mm-hmm. and stuff. So we had a great, great, great email from one of our listeners. It was a very long email, so I've kind of truncated a little bit. Uh, she didn't want her name being used because it regards her being uh, diagnosed herself with um, autism and ADHD. And she wrote an email to us that says, in part, as follows. During your first two episodes, you pointed out the shift in Robin's character. I noticed it, too. To me, she displays many ADHD and autistic traits. I'm an autistic with those traits too. I'm not a doctor, but I really resonated with her character. I tend to miss most social cues and overshare or get annoying when I'm around people I am comfortable with or really want to be friends with. It makes sense to me that Robin would know something makes her different other than being gay, uh, but that she would not know what that thing was. In season three, Robin didn't really know Steve yet, so she would have been more reserved or dismissive of him. In season four, they're close friends, and she's probably letting her guard down. So when Robin and Nancy are at the library, I wondered if part of her really wanted to be friends with Nancy. I am self-aware enough to notice when I'm annoying other people or when they don't like me, but I can't always pinpoint what I'm doing wrong. Robin even says this to Nancy. She says, you know, I'm terrible at, you know, I could be annoying and I'm terrible at picking up social cues. In addition, Robin loudly speaks her thoughts aloud and talks at a volume too loud for a library library while researching Victor Creel. She doesn't seem to notice or care how distracting it is and doesn't care that Nancy is embarrassed by her. It's common for autistic and ADHD people to not match their voice and volume and mannerism to the appropriate situation. Then she also talked about uh, Robin's having to dress in Nancy's clothes and how uncomfortable that was. And that's also a trait um, that's associated with, uh, with this. So she wrapped up by saying, I know neurotypical people can do the same things that Robin does and become obsessive over an interest. Robin was probably not written to be ADHD or autistic, and I don't think the Duffer brothers intended to include an autistic character, but it is fun to identify traits of yourself in characters on TV. So first of all, thank you for that email. That is yes. excellent email and happy to share it. And I feel a little bad that we've just been calling her annoying. Well, I kind <laughs> but- <laughs> to to be fair, I, I am diagnosed with ADHD and I 
I recognize some of that stuff. My whole, it wasn't necessarily her that I was annoyed with per se. It was, I missed the old Robin. So I'm like, it was the shift from, I liked, you know, the, her, I don't know what the word is. Her just like interactions with Steve and Dustin, where she was just kind of too cool, you know, for them. Right. So it's not that I found her annoying per se it's more that i was sad about the shift yes i agree because yeah i've always said and i still say she's one of my favorite characters if not my favorite character so yes and i have a little funko pop to prove it so same yeah does yours have the board yes it's the you you suck chalkboard yeah Mm -hmm. okay so i love the scenes with dustin and steve and they're waiting for max when he's talking when steve says i'll knock your teeth back out and dustin's like too far dude (laughs) too far which is great, you know, and, and you know, I, I don't have collarbones. I, I have eyes. I, you know, I may not have collarbones, but I have eyes, which was a great little line. Yes. I also like, I never doubted Lucas, but I did like that they misdirected him to Hopper's cabin. So that was, that was kind of neat. I did get a kick out of it. I'm like, what are you doing when Jason kneels down and does this whole thing in the dirt with the sticks about you go around the back and we'll go in the front. And why not just say, you go around back, we'll go around front. <laughs> Why do you have to do these X's in the dirt? I don't know. Well, this, it was just. I, I feel like it's just anything a sport sport guy does. <laughs> it's just really bizarre. So, okay. So let's go back to the library to Robin and uh, Nancy. They're talking, they go through the stacks and then Robin finds the article in the uh, weekly watcher that says Victor Creel claims ancient demon killed her family she reads it as victor creel claims vengeful demon but you know whatever vengeful demon is on the on, it's ancient demon on the newspaper but she says vengeful demon well on the microfiche images that were released to the stranger things twitter account it says vengeful right so it's kind of weird i don't know how things yeah. get kind of mixed mixed up but i also liked in the top corner of the paper it's kind of one of those blink and you miss it things but it was talking about lana stalked by a crazed fan and they're talking about lana turner who was stalked by a crazed fan in the late 50s in 1958 um her daughter cheryl actually killed her boyfriend at the time her daughter was like 14 or 15 at the time um killed this guy john stompanato who had like mob connections who was was stalking lana turner and was actually kind of they were kind of boyfriend girlfriend and kind of going out in public together but he was like very abusive and very possessive and the daughter heard them arguing one night and ran upstairs and stabbed him in the stomach so oh my gosh and killed him uh she was she was let off because it was justifiable homicide justifiable homicide but interesting little bit in the top corner i thought that was cool then we get to the school uh they break in mini watergate was becomes hawkins gate which was that was <laughs> it's kind of funny and then max sees the clock and Wait, we're gonna you're gonna skip over the visit to Miss Kelly's house, like what we saw there. Oh yeah, we can go back to that if you want. Yes, I kind of I, I was I was all hung up on Dustin and Steve out in the car yes. having their fun little conversation. So. so I don't know if you guys noticed, but other than obviously Miss Kelly is the connecting thread to the three people that have seen the clock so far, and right. then when Max goes to visit her, she has on a necklace that is in the shape of a key and it's a watch like a yes. little clock and That's i actually the- i actually had in my notes too that she had the clock on the wall it's kind of like the mini grandfather clock with the pendulum yes. in it yes um i actually had that in my notes and i just skipped right over it but yeah yeah so i think miss kelly is going to play a much bigger deal uh than than we think which actually i have an article on that too so we can move to it and she's um she's credited in the, in the last two episodes of volume two 
eight and nine. So she will definitely be back. So. Oh, that's news. Spoiler alert, but not really. Not really. Anybody could find it out just going on IMDb, but <laughs> okay. Anything else before we get to our segments or keep rolling right along? I don't think so. I think we're, I think we're good. Okay. So on to our segments, we'll start with Colin moment. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it's going to be what I think it is. Looking up movie times in a newspaper. Yes. That was what I thought it was going to be. So yeah, Jonathan is looking up the movie times in the newspaper, discovers that Police Academy 3 um, had a afternoon showing that they should go to. And not only does that check out, but it makes a lot of sense because Police Academy 3 just opened the Friday before. So it's the brand new movie that they can go see. Police Academy 3 opened on March 21st of 1986. So good job, Duffers. But yeah, that was, uh, we had that. And then we also had, obviously, we could call the theaters and then later on we could call you know movie phone or whatever but that was more in the 90s uh but yeah you were kind of a slave to the newspaper of course everybody got the newspaper back then so it wasn't a big deal right um but yeah you had to look up in the newspaper what time the shows were and the shows were always like seven o'clock and nine fifteen or seven o'clock and nine o'clock it was a, you know it was every i time. feel like most of them still are around here yeah we, get, are, we get kind of weird things them. there's like six fifteens and you know every but, now and then if yeah. it's like a lesser known movie but yeah. for the most part the big ones are like five seven nine yeah but i loved it i should i should look up a uh like an old newspaper just to just to show people what it was like did you ever go through and like high like circle the ones that you wanted to see like if there, there was always like so many movies i wanted to see yeah right theater. yeah so i'd go through I, and i'd circle them and i'd be like them. i'd like this one or this one and i let pull out your sharpie and like I can, I can go see that one and if i see that one then i can go immediately into this yes. one right after it yeah. yes and not even go back out to buy tickets we could just hop from movie to theaters <laughs> okay couple locations this week so let's play where in the world is First one is Ruth, Nevada. Is it a real place? And obviously, if it is a real place, it is in Nevada. Um, but is it a real place or is it a made up place from the minds of the Duffer brothers and or the lovely- First of all, we say Nevada. It's Nevada. Well, we the correct, say Nevada. The correct, pr- correct pronunciation is Nevada. And I've always said Nevada my whole life. But it is, it is Nevada. Nevada. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I know, um, right? Uh, yes, it is a real place, and it is in Nevada. It is, and it's, it has something to do with mining. Yeah, there's a like a copper mine right nearby or something. It has a population of 440 people. Oh man, that sounds exact. That sounds right for trimmers. It's not even that. Yeah, it's not even a city or a town. It's called like a. It's a census designated place. That's what it is. Yeah, in White that. Pine County. Yeah. So it's about uh, four hours due north of Vegas and five hours due east of Reno. So if you draw straight lines between all three, you'd have a right triangle. It had a population of 440 in 2010. Right. That's 12 years ago. People, I, I mean, they could have dropped off. It, it could be up to like 445. Or they could have had a baby boom. One or That's the true. other. Yeah. A baby boom of like three kids. Yeah. <laughs> in 10 years. <laughs> The other one, actually, there were two others. One is Coal Mill Road. In the subtitles or the captions, it's called, it's spelled C-O-A-L, like the rock, but it's actually C-O-L-E Mill Road. Real place, not a real place. And if it is a real place, where is it? I'm going to say real. It is real. And I'm going to say North Carolina. It is North Carolina. Oh, yes. Pick a town. Oh, oh, I have to pick what town it's in? Durham. There you go. 
Yeah, so it's kind of a it's a kind of a main drag cutting through the Duffer Brothers old neighborhood, Coal Mill Road. Oddly enough, though, the episode prior, they discovered that Reefer Rick lived on Holland Road. So I don't know how yes. he's, how the road has suddenly changed in the course of 24 hours from Holland Road to Coal Mill Road. They were really rushing to get these episodes done. Like. We'll move on. <laughs> the last one I won't quiz you on, but I just thought it was a neat thing. And that was um, all of the filming locations for the Lenora Hills Police Department in which he gets called off in the van and Mike goes running into the street and stuff. So that was all filmed in New Las, Mexico, Las Lunas, New Mexico, which is you know, a little bit south of Albuquerque. And I was just doing a little researching and I'll post a link to this too. You can actually rent the buyer's house on Airbnb. Yes. So it's, it's actually, it, it's kind of neat because they showed um, like kind of the, in the Airbnb listing, they show like the scenes from the movie and then a scene from the house. So you can see how close it is. I mean, they've, they've repainted That's and put in new cool. carpet and stuff, but it was kind of neat. So I'll post a link to that. Yeah. It just so. recently sold. Yeah. Okay. Uh, a couple tire peel outs to mention. Mm-hmm. When the Scoops Troop arrive at Eddie's and he's um, under the tarp and he hear, you know, there's a little bit of a tire screech in the background, so you can hear that. Obviously, when the cops leave with L, there's a little bit of a screech there, too. Unnecessary, but... The best one is when Steve and Dustin and Max peel out of Ms. Kelly's neighborhood. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> which was great. And then we get not one, but two peel outs when the cars, when Owens' cars get to L's van and, mm-hmm. you know, so yeah, good, good number of peel outs in this one, so... All right, let's talk about some movie references. We should be at the mall or like watching a movie or something. Uh, did you catch the Scream reference again? No. They had that music again when they were putting L in the cop car. Oh, okay. It sounded exactly cool. like that. And then the obvious one is Close Encounters. It's yeah, I got the, the kind one. of the Close Encounters ET vibe at the beginning with the helicopter. Yeah, with the one. helicopter. I admit, yeah. I automatically think Close Encounters like instantly. I do too. Yeah. I mean, I guess. Yeah. ET does fit, but yeah, we got a couple of the little Star Wars things, you know, the you know, L, you're our only hope, which is kind of a stretch, but I'll go with it. And also, a lot of pressure to put on a teen girl, a little bit, yeah, you know, whatever. And then the whole idea that she needs to go with him to kind of finish her training before going back to help her friends, so that's kind of right out of loop, yeah, except Yoda wasn't out there experimenting on children, true, torturing them, so whatever. I also caught a little bit. It sounds very close to the Halloween music. John Carpenter's, you know, uh, when they were in Forest Hills and they're arguing about the car and splitting up and who's going where. Um, So that was a little bit in the background. And then I'll I'll post a link to this too, actually, because I didn't realize it was a thing, but the trunk shot. So the shot when Jason and his buddies open the trunk. Um, So yeah, Goodfellas and every Tarantino movie ever. But there's a, like a montage that I found on YouTube. So I'll post a link to that too, of like trunk shots in like cinema you, history, which is kind of cool. I feel like if you've seen them one, you've seen them all, but yes. right. yeah. <laughs> well, and I mean, Steve had a trunk shot in season two. Yeah. Yeah. With the, with the bat. Yep, exactly. And then the last one I had was uh, when Robin and Nancy were talking and Nancy said, well, it was actually super inconvenient that, you know, um, Victor you know, was blamed for all this, which made me think again of Shawshank because we just had the Shawshank reference in the last one. But uh, when Andy Dufresne is on trial at the beginning of Shawshank and they said, isn't it convenient? We never found the gun. And he's like, well, I would say it's decidedly inconvenient. So, um, so also Nancy's just being a little B this episode. So sorry. I, I think she's still got a thing for Steve and is a little upset with Robin. She is maybe, but I don't know. I think they might be hyping this, this stancy up and really it's like, not going to go anywhere yeah anyways okay little things 
Wait, did, did you see something? Yeah. What did, what did you see? The only one that I noticed for sure was it seemed like Owens was trying to signal his wife. That was, she... that was my first one, actually. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, like that out of, I didn't like pay attention to a ton, but that was, that one has caught my eye because I've watched the episode several times and it, he looks like he's telling her to either just be quiet. I've got this. Yeah. Or... Just... But yeah, it was, so, it was just so subtle. I mean, great acting mm-hmm. on Paul Reiser's part. Well, and like, he puts his hand over his mouth and then and it's slowly just, like a, just, just... Just, a, just a little bit of a finger, which I thought was mm-hmm. it was great. So other little things I had, I love the uh, the addition of the ashtrays in the skating rink when they're kind of panning around and they land on Elle and she's in the booth. There's ashtrays on the tables, which I had. I don't even before. pick up on that because yeah, I think that there's ashtrays. still places in Kentucky that you can smoke inside. Oh, really? Wow. I think so. That's crazy. Elle keeping her door open three inches when Mike comes in with the waffles. <laughs> which was so nice. Murray reading the karate magazine on the airplane. He's like in the first, the first uh, scene with them on the airplane, he's reading a karate magazine as a guy to yeah. black belt on the back. So that'll yeah. obviously come up, but it's a real, it's a real magazine. And I looked on the back and there's like an actual phone number and it's an actual company that sells, you know, martial arts gear. So it's, Can it's we, still out there. I would also like to point out that Elle's level of pettiness is the kind I aspire to be when she leaves that note for Mike and she just wrote from L. Yes. Instead of love L. I was yeah. like, yes. There you yes, go. Yes, girl. That's yes. my girl. There you go. <laughs> uh, speaking of the plane, uh, we had uh, one of our listeners write in with um, his superlatives for the episode and he also included a little thing. And he said he liked the, um, um, this is Ryan. Sorry, I didn't mention his name. Ryan uh, wrote in with his superlatives and he mentioned the little thing of the woman behind Murray and Joyce reading the magazine It had the Carlton cigarette ad on the back. And there's their tagline, which I still remember is, if you smoke, please try Carlton, which was like, on the, on the mag- lame. yeah. And then I also liked just inside the library when Nancy and Robin come in is a page from Shel Silverstein's Where the Sidewalk Yeah, is. it was a poem. Yeah, for overdues. And did you see the little, um, the little thing on the side of the microfiche cabinet? It was like, it was an, it was a, shoot. I've lost the word. What's the word where each letter means something? Like the first letter? Acronym. Acronym. That's it. It's acronym. But it says something about, like, it's explaining what a microfiche. Yes. Yeah, I did see that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That was cool. And then what you asked in the um, homework were the three people that were listed on the folder tabs in Ms. Kelly's Mm -hmm. file cabinet. First of all, it it struck me a little odd that they opened the drawer that was labeled T-E-N through V-I-C. And Bonacourse was in there. And all the names were B and C. So that was kind of strange. A little bit of a little bit of a goof, but whatever. So yes, John Bonacourse is the second AD, um, assistant director on Stranger Things. He's been with them for 11 episodes. His name is on there. And then Ray Brown, who is a key grip on Stranger Things. His name is on there. He's been with them for 18 episodes. And then the third name is Deborah Crosswell, who is a set dresser, but has never worked on Stranger Things. She was a set dresser on Catching Fire, Hunger Games, with Ray Brown when he was key grip on Catching Fire. So I like scoured everywhere to see if maybe they're married and he just kind of threw her name in too or something. It seems kind of random for, because she has nothing to do with Stranger Things, but they did work together on Catching Fire. So maybe that's where that came from. That's weird. Yeah. Okay music not much music actually in this episode i do want to mention 
And we talked about it earlier, Jonathan and Argyle and the blip, 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 blip. The circus music? Yeah. So that is Entrance of the Gladiators. It was written in 1897, never made the Billboard charts. Wait, that's what Gladiators came out to? Isn't that weird? Yeah, if you like, that's the like peppiest little music ever, and you're gonna come out and kill somebody. It's like goofy clown music, you know. (laughs) So it was written by Julius Fuchik back in 1897. Okay. Then obviously, when we're when um, they're transitioning into the Murray and the risotto scene, and then during dinner, they have opera going. They have Rigoletto and La Boheme uh, selections are playing during that. Then in the diner, when Owens and Elle are talking in the background, you can't really hear it very well, but in the background is a song called Guardian Angel by Galt McDermott. There's a guardian angel from his art, uh, from his album, Fergus McRoy at the Homestead Upright. And Fergus McRoy was kind of an alter ego for Galt McDermott, but Galt McDermott is the artist, Guardian Angel is a song. And it's a fitting song, obviously, Guardian Angel, you know. Owen's looking out for L. Yes, yes, yes. Um, came out in 1964. And then the last song is the kind of the closing song when everything is kind of going on and before Max gets to see the um, grandfather clock in the hallway. And that's a song called There's a Storm Coming by Dance with the Dead. Kind of that moody atmospheric. It actually sounds like Dixon and Stein. And I thought it was Dixon and Stein at first, obviously. But that came from Dance with the Dead's 2016 album, The Shape. And that's it for music. Interesting. Which brings us to superlatives. Ooh. Did you say we had someone write in for superlatives this week? Actually, we had two. Uh, one was Ryan, um, who said his favorite line was when Robin and Nancy were down in the microfiche and Robin discovered the uh, Weekly Watcher and, and talked about UFOs and Bigfoot. First of all, UFOs are absolutely real. Bigfoot, I'm still on the fence about. But may I remind you that we are looking for information on dark wizards? And then the other was from Jason, who wrote in and said his favorite line was when they were sitting around the dinner table with Murray and talking about the uh, the skate attack. This girl got smacked in the head today at the roller rink. Smacked. Yeah, it was one of those vicious skate attacks. I went with, I almost went with, Two, I, I had two, but I'll, I'll pick one. So the first one was also Robin when she was talking with, when they're talking with Eddie in the boathouse and she was saying that it's not that hard to, you know, think that we're going to kill Vecna because we've all been through this before. Listen, Eddie, I know everything that Dustin is saying sounds totally delusional, but we've actually been through this kind of thing before. I mean, they have a, a few times and, and I have once. Mine was more human flesh-based and theirs was more smoke-related, but bottom line is, collectively, I really feel like we got this. Then I also loved, we talked about also the Dustin and Steve conversations about the collarbones and, and the eyes and, you know, punch you and make your teeth come back, you know, fall back out yeah. or whatever. But I went with kind of the sequence when they're splitting up and it's kind of the whole, the whole ending sequence before Steve drives off. You just stand there and gawk? Shut up. Get in the car. Wipe your feet. On the outside, not the inside. Always the babysitter. Always the goddamn babysitter. I'm shocked that you didn't go. I thought for sure we would have the same one this week. Uh, I'm going with Murray when he comes in and they're at the family dinner. And the he thinks everyone hates his risotto. Yeah. And he's, okay. I, uh, I sense tension. 
Is it the risotto? Everyone hates the risotto. Absolutely not. Mm -mm. No, it's incredible. This risotto? It's smacking, dude. Still have no idea who he is. It makes me laugh out loud every single time. The whole the whole schmackin' thing I thought was mm-hmm. just great. I, I love Argyle. I love him more and more the more I watch him. So oh yeah, for sure. Okay, most spirited. Uh, Ryan went with and good eye on this one because uh, it was one of those things that I'm just kind of so used to. I didn't even notice. Um, he pointed out the breakfast plates when Will and Mike are moping at the breakfast table before um, Mike takes the waffles into L. If you look, and I just went back and looked, the breakfast plates that they're eating off of are kind of like that that pea soup green and brown and yellow rimmed white plate with like a yellow flower in the middle they're so i had 70s, those early, i think early 80s yeah they're oh they're so they're like beautiful. little flowers yeah around the, the, no no like, it's like there's a big flower in the middle oh no there's, then there's, never mind yeah there's kind of pinstripes on the outside and a big flower in the middle and it's all no. kind of brown and gross yeah ours were white and they had like this like pea green like flowers and vines oh, right. around them and it just came out. My brother sent me a link and was like, do you remember eating up? And I was like, yeah, we had these all the time. And <laughs> so, he, it's like the lead count in them is like a hundred times more than it's supposed that it's like considered safe. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I was like, well, yes, it's the eighties. So, so good. eye, Ryan on those. I like that one. That's a, that's a, that's a really great spirited thing. I went with the smoking on the airplane, which I thought was hilarious to watch. And oh my gosh, that still blows my mind. They obviously did it to make a point, you know, that that's how it used to be. But I remember when I was in, uh, when I went to England and this was uh, early nineties and we flew to Ireland and the whole back of the plane was people drinking beer and smoking. I'm like, good Lord. Yeah. Oh, Oh, just the sense. whole concept of like smoking on an airplane I and mean, smoking anywhere, but smoking on an airplane just, these days. I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. gosh no. yeah. Jason went uh, with actually my Colin moment, uh, the checking newspapers for movie times said um, he finally recalled doing that and also mentioned that um, he uh, thought the Ewoks cartoon was really awesome. Um, I actually went with the library and the, and the microfiche images because you just don't, everything's like most, I mean, there's still some stuff that's not, but most of it's digitized now and you don't get the thrill of, scrolling through all those papers and right yeah that films was fun. or whatever and yeah. i love the sound of yes yes uh okay stranger thing ryan went with vecna hooking up to the charger port and getting ryan went with vecna's butt yeah ryan likes vecna's butt i think that's exactly <laughs> what it is. yes we, we see right through you ryan we get you um, i went with hopper's ankles yeah, i can't watch yeah. that scene I, yeah, see, I was, was kind of going back and forth. I mean, do I pick something that's kind of nasty or do I pick something that's kind of supernatural? So I went the supernatural route and I went, it was kind of the montage that started um, with the shot of Eddie's trailer roof with the crack forming. Mm-hmm. And then it went to the shot of Vecna and then it went to the shot of the red world and flopped between the, the six or seven different people and then finally landed on Patrick. So that was, that was my stranger thing. Jason actually went with a different montage. He pointed out the one, the flashing scenes between Eleven um, smacking Angela, or smacking Angela with the skate and the children's death in the lab yeah. and then switching to the demo bats and to the Creel house uh, and then Beckner getting his vines. Yeah, no, I went with the Hopper because it, it, I mean, it, it makes me really like sick to my stomach to watch it. it yeah, the it's sounds definitely. it makes, I hate yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I don't like it one bit. Yeah. So. Okay, MVP, Ryan picked one actor and one character. For actor, he picked uh, Millie Bobby Brown and, and her work during the whole scene where she was arrested and then interrogated. I mentioned that she did really, really great um, acting work there. And then for character, he picked Robin 
with her scene with Nancy in the library and thought that she did a that you know she that whole scene with uh, Robin was really great so it was Jason also went with Robin uh, said he was tempted to put Owens for saving and recruiting Eleven, but I believe in the end it's Maya Hawk for her amazing portrayal of Rambling Robin. The scene where she is rambling onto Nancy about the shot in the dark and how she thought it was going to amaze uh, just makes me laugh. I went with Paul Reiser, actually. Really? Um, solely on his acting abilities, because I there were so many little subtle, nuanced things, including that finger wag that we, the finger point that we mentioned, but the whole scene with Elle in the diner is just delivered so well. And I mean, it's just, I'm, I'm not saying in lesser hands, it wouldn't have been as good, but I mean, he, just the inflection and his delivery and I mean, it's giving me hard Burke vibes. Yeah. He's just, he's so, just so good. And I, I just, I loved his performance in this episode. It, it, you know, it's not really, you know, particularly valuable in the grand scheme of things, you know, as far as, you know, when we talk about, you know, this person saved the day or whatever, but I just, I just thought it was just a great performance. So I went with my usual character and I went with uh, Nancy this week because of her work with in the library and just powering through to be like, I'm going to look this up. I'm going to search this out, even though it's a shot in the dark. And and Robin's annoying me, but she's here, but we're going to get through this. And Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I went with old Nance. Alrighty, I think that does it. Yeah. Exhale. Woo. Okay. That does it for this week. As always, you can find us on social media at Scoops Hoy Pod. We would love it if you like and subscribe to our podcast on Apple or Spotify. It really helps us if you leave a review, especially on Apple, because it gets in front gets us in front of other listeners like yourself. So next week we'll be back. We'll be discussing. Stranger Things season four, chapter four, Dear Billy. Yay, so, Dear Billy. Woo-hoo. Yes. So I want to thank everybody for listening and I hope you tune in next time. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Stranger Things audio clips and official score are the property of Netflix. Incidental music by Blue Mount Score from Pixabay.